Welcome to the RSP Cast Projection Series. I'm Matt Waldman. This is Dwayne McFarland. We're going to do the AFC, no, not the AFC, the NFC West, starting with Arizona, and then we'll go on to Seattle for this show. Dwayne, Arizona's had a quite an exciting um, offseason when you think about at least one particular acquisition. Um, you know, what do you think about you know, when you think about this team overall, um, just from a, a number standpoint, um, last year to this year, what stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, well, they won five and a half games last year. Um, this year, Vegas has them at seven and a half. Um, PFF has them at 7.3. So it's a team that, you know, folks expect to be more competitive, but they are in a pretty tough division. You know, you've got the 49ers, um, you've got the Seahawks. You know, the Rams seem to be on their way down, but would it really surprise anybody if, if they were able to kind of hold the line a little longer? You know, they made some adjustments last year. I know we'll talk about them later, uh, you know, in this in this series. But, you know, they've made they made some adjustments toward the end of the year last year. And, you know, they actually got better play out of Goff and out of their team. So it's still a really tough division. But to your point, you know, around, you know, the additions, obviously I know you're, you're alluding to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you know, who they made a trade for with the Houston Texans. And I, I think that's going to be really interesting, right? Because Cliff Kingsbury historically, you know, has really spread the ball around in this offense. You know, um, if you go back to the roots of it, you look at Mike Leach, you know, it's very heavily rooted, much more so than many other schemes where it seems, oh, they just spread it around. I mean, it's really designed to, to spread the ball around across multiple, when I say multiple, th anywhere from three to five weapons you know, and, and maximize across those. Now, I think the question there is um, how much does Fitzgerald have left? You know, can one of the younger guys like Akeem Butler, um, Andy Isabella, can they step up? We think Christian Kirk's going to have a role in the offense. So um, Kenyon Drake obviously can do a little bit out of the backfield. So I think it comes down to, you know, for fantasy owners, if they're listening to this, you know, it comes down to how many really good weapons do they think they have, right? If they think it's just three, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, it, it could still see 27, 30% of the targets. Um, if if they like what they have in four or five weapons, then he could be, you know, 25, 24, 23% of the targets. So then you're really going to be counting on the volume, you know, of the offense. But it's a team that last year, Matt, you know, it lost on average, it's, it's average um, negative margin of victory, you know, I mean, your margin of victory period was minus 5.1. Um, and the offense was actually close to the NFL average, um, you know, just from a grade perspective overall. But the defense really struggled. Um, they they passed on 58% um, of their plays, ran on the other uh, 42%. Um, and they only had 950 attempts, Matt. I think that really surprised people. And they only had one overtime game, which was 17 additional plays. So it's a pretty true number. I mean, if you take the overtime adjustment away, you know, they're sitting there at, uh, you know, 937 or 933, sorry, in their plays, which is really, that's pretty low, you know, compared, we always talk about on here, you know, the average for an NFL team um, is up around 980. Um, your good teams are at 1,000, like the elite teams for the year, are like at 1,050, 1,100 plays. Um, usually if you see 1,100 play team, they've been assisted by, you know, some overtime stuff, you know, once you really dig in. But here's one interesting thing I'll say about the Cardinals. Um, you know, last year they had the worst time of possession in the league. So when I went back and adjusted, you know, time of possession, you know, down to percentages, they only had the ball for 45% of the time. That was 31st in the NFL. 
their pace of play per on a per minute basis. You know, if you take out, you know, two minute warnings, um, you take out garbage time, that kind of stuff. So, so a true play rate, they were second in the league in the NFL and they were actually tied with the Cowboys um, for their pace of play. Um, and so if you look at the Cowboys as an example, Matt, they held the ball for only 47 and a half percent of the time, right? So only two and a half percent more than the Cardinals last year, but they ran over a full game's worth of extra plays versus what the Cardinals did about one and a half. Basically the, it was like the Cowboys offense played 1.5 more games than the Cardinals. Wow. So that's one thing to look at this year because, uh, you know, while there's a lot of ways time of possession can change, um, it could be your offense gets more, um, you know, efficient. You could turn the ball over less. Um, your defense could improve. It could be some combination of all those things. What I'll say is it's really hard to be that bad two years in a row. So I'm expecting some sort of rebound from them. I don't know how far it will be, but we can expect the Cardinals to run I have them projected at 1,025 plays versus the 950 last year. And that was with me saying, hey, you get to around, you know, that 47, 48% time of possession mark, um, you know, using their neutral play scripts, you know, their tempo. And so there's a lot of hidden value there. So if all of a sudden you have two extra games worth of plays, even if a guy like Hopkins doesn't get his 30%, if you compare that to the rate of um, play for the Texans, he could still be very similar in his total targets. His percentage may be lower because it'll be spread around more, but the number of plays. So the Cardinals last year, had they, you know, actually held the ball even just half the time, you know, they would have they would have led the league in attempts, period. They would have been the number one team. So, and it's not to say that you can just project that they're going to be the top team, but I think you've got to at least project them to be in your top five or six for plays. And, and people did that last year, and now they've kind of shied away. Well, really, when you dig a deeper – that is the kind of offense they were running. They just really had a they had a really hard time, you know, holding the ball. And there were a few games that really, um, you know, exacerbated that, where they basically just almost didn't have the ball like at all, um, you know, due to a multitude of factors. So um, I, when I look at them, you know, Matt, I've got them at a thousand and twenty-five plays. I've got them fifty-eight percent pass, forty-two percent run. So that's five hundred ninety-five passing plays, four hundred thirty-one running plays. You know, they also did they, – they made some moves, you know, this year. You have the uh, Josh Jones who slid to them in the draft. You know, some people thought that he would be a much higher draft pick. They got him in the second round. Um, Isaiah Simmons on the defensive side of the ball, number eight overall, a guy that they're talking about moving all over the formation. He can cover. He can rush. He can, you know, whatever it is they want to do. Um, you know, and then you, you they added a defensive tackle. If you look at the other ads besides Hopkins, you know, outside of the draft, they added Devondra Campbell. So that's another linebacker out of, and he was formerly with Atlanta. Um, and they didn't really lose a ton. They lost Demir Bird, who was kind of their, you know, their deep field stretch component, and they lost Pharaoh Cooper. Um, but the other interesting thing about them, Matt, they ran 10 personnel on 32% of their plays last year. That's first. That's almost more than the rest of the NFL combined. <laughs> And that was just the Cardinals. So Kingsbury held true to a lot of the things when you really dig deep. He came out and he ran the 10, just the 10 personnel, which for those men with 10 is, that's four wide receivers on the field. He did it like he said he was going to do. He actually ran an up-tempo offense like we're used to seeing, you know, from his offenses. So all the things were there. It's just a matter of, you know, you have some some variables, some things that played in, I think that kind of took him a little bit off track overall as an offense. And I, you know, I think part of that comes back to Kyler Murray. Um, so I think Kyler Murray and his growth is honestly the biggest question, you know, for the Cardinals offense. 
You know, it's a great question about the, you know, that you raise about the number of plays in this offense um, and, you know, what they're going to have. Because I have them running fewer plays this year, um, which is kind of a stark departure from what you just mentioned. And I think my argument for that has been that they ran 12 personnel 345 times last year. Um, and so that two tight end set isn't something that people talk about a lot. And the question might be, well, why is that? And I think to your point, if it's because they weren't, they wanted to control the ball a little bit more, not put so much on Kyler Murray, then you would expect this year for that to be an increase. I think that there's something there to be said about that. But then there's also the idea that Kenyon Drake as a runner um, did a really strong job last year. Um, they, they didn't have a great offensive line. Maybe they felt like, you know, that they needed to shore that up a little bit and protect Conor Murray a little bit more. Um, the other thing, too, is that when you look at, um, you know, the use of 12 personnel, maybe that maybe I haven't looked at time of, um, you know, time of possession, but I have wondered if, you know, they run the ball a little bit more, you're going to see fewer plays as a result of that. And if you're running out 12 personnel, I mean, you may throw out of that a fair bit, but you're not probably throwing out of it a majority of the time. Um, so that would be an Yeah, interesting... they were, they were to your point, seventh, you know, in the NFL, um, you know, in the 12 personnel. And they were 31st and 11. So they're kind of the opposite of the league, right? <laughs> Most of the league's primary grouping is three wide receivers. Yeah. They go to one extreme or another. Either we're going to have four receivers on the field or we're going to have two. Now, 35% of the plays is still 11. Um, so, I mean, it's basically equal when compared to this, but comparative to the rest of the NFL, um, they were on the edges of the spectrum for 12 personnel and for 10 personnel, you know, to your point. Yeah. So thank you for that. So I, I think that that, that may be something that kind of keeps them, you know, maybe not going sky high, but you know, in terms of, in terms of the play count, but it's an interesting, but the, the fact that they do spread the field in 10 personnel an awful lot does speak to the idea of DeAndre Hopkins. What does he do? Does he, does he earn that level of target percentage? If, and I think that we've pretty much outlined how it could happen or why it wouldn't happen. You know, it would happen if they do increase their use of 10 personnel or increase the number of plays that they use. And, and if they don't increase it, keep stays the same or decreases, it's because maybe they rely more on the run game. And one thing about Cliff Kingsbury's history has been that when he's had a good run game, he hasn't been afraid to use it even when he spreads the field out He's also gone to 12 personnel in the past or even 13 personnel on occasion. He'll he'll condense the field and run the football. When he had DeAndre Washington in his early years at Texas Tech, they ran the heck out of the football. So, um, you know, this is one of those situations where maybe, you know, it's going to be telling this year what Cliff Kingsbury does. You know, is it going to be now that they're comfortable with Kyler Murray you know, and he's had another year because I believe that Mahomes, it wasn't Mahomes' first year where they ran the ball like that. But, um, you know, at the same time, it might be about comfort for the quarterback. And now if they feel like quarterback's more comfortable, they gave him an extra weapon, they may not run it as much. So that, it just kind of gives us some play there with what's going on. I can tell you that I have 
65% pass to 35% run. Um, but, you know, that's odd too when you think that I have only 887 plays. So, you know, for me, I think what that tells me is either I need to look a little bit deeper into what, um, you know, into that run pass mix as well as, you know, because otherwise I'm saying that the run is going to be very successful. It's going to eat up a lot of clock, even though it's going to be a, uh, one of the smaller percentages to pass um, that you would see from a team. So, but that kind of fits their one extreme or the other of we're either going 12 or we're spreading it out. Um, so that's kind of the interesting thing about the Cardinals for me. But I have Kyla Murray at 583 attempts. Um, 378 completions for a 64.8% completion rating at 4,072 yards, 6.98 yards per attempt, um, 27 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and 100 rushing attempts for 590 yards and five touchdowns. I expect him to have a strong year. I think he'll be, for fantasy purposes, a mid-tier quarterback one, maybe closer to the top five. Um, you know, getting knocking on that border there. Um, the the big thing for him will be, can he and his teammates be better in the red zone? He was not much of a red zone quarterback last year. That's that really held him back from even better numbers than what he had as a rookie, and he had a nice season. Um, you know, on the field, regardless of you know what the data says, what I saw on the field and I think the data will probably be a reflection of that is that he was a pretty good vertical passer he was someone that had a, a nice you know really threw the ball well downfield especially up the boundaries um, I thought he was pretty good in that department um, even though he didn't really have great receivers I mean Christian Kirk is probably I think he's still best as a slot receiver but they're using him outside Fitzgerald obviously has now more of a slot receiver and they used him in that capacity but Keyshawn Johnson Andy Isabella like you said Damier Bird wasn't a particularly standout group you know now this year with you know DeAndre Hopkins in the mix you know certainly now that allows at least one receiver to be inside who's you know at his best and defenses can't pay specific attention to that because they're gonna have to really deal with with Hopkins to a degree um, in in certain in certain areas. So, Dwayne, what do you have for Kyler Murray? You're on mute, by the way. Sorry, that's all right. You pulled a Gene Bramble. This was that's the third, I did. That's the Thursday man. show, man. All right, man. Yeah. Well, hey, hat tip to Gene. That's right. That that's right. <laughs> yeah. So as far as you know, you know where I've got Murray, um, I've got him at 595 attempts. I've got him at 65% completion rate. I've got him at seven and a quarter yards per attempt. So that's 4,310 yards passing. I've got him at 25 touchdowns. So that's 4.25% touchdowns per pass attempt. And then I've got him at 12 interceptions, 100 rushing yards, uh, sorry, 100 rushing attempts for 550 rushing yards um, and five rushing touchdowns. Um, you know, as far as, you know, Murray goes, you know, he was a, you know, his, his completion over expected, you know, um, you know, versus the NFL for the throws he made using, you know, the average depth of target, you know, he was minus 1.5%. I mean, which isn't terrible, 
Um, you know, he threw a touchdown on 3.7% of his passes, which for a rookie also wasn't bad. And he wasn't, he, he wasn't careless with the ball by rookie standards, you know, 2.2% of his passes, you know, went for an interception, you know, 1.5% is really good. You know, 2.2% is like, you know, the bad year for Phillip rivers before he turns around and has the good year, right. This back to 1.5 <laughs> and then you get the other Phillip rivers that goes back to 2.4. You never does know where Philip rivers is going to be. Does this coincide with the year that his wife is pregnant? It may. It may. I'm I haven't looked. Curious. He has too many kids for me to look up. That, That'd be too many data points to look up. I don't know if it could be every other year. It might be a pretty pattern that shows up, but you're right. <laughs> it might be. Yeah. It might be. <laughs> um, but under, you know, the issue, and I've heard you talk about this, and I've heard, you know, others talk about it a little bit. So the biggest thing that came up, you know, from some of the, you know, uh, advanced stats at Pro Football Focus where, you know, they're charting the plays as well. And the biggest thing that jumped out to me, Matt, was, you know, from a clean pocket, he graded 35 out of 35. Um, So if you look at, you know, passers that create pressure more than others on themselves, you know, don't necessarily manage the pocket. I I remember maybe even like week one or week two last year where you posted a video of Murray, you know, doing some kind of crazy maneuver in the pocket. And you're like, yeah, this is like Kyler Murray's working too hard. Right. He's tra- he's making this too hard on himself. And so I think those things have also shown up, you know, in the way, you know, his grades, you know, came out, um, you know, under pressure, you know, he was right at the league average. So, I mean, he was OK there. Um, and if you look at, you know, his big time throws, you know, he was right there at the league average. He was better than the league average on his turnover worthy plays. Um, you know, so those things were all really good as far as his accuracy goes. Um, whenever you look at you know, his uh, throws that were within the frame right of the receiver, you know, they didn't have to turn back to catch the ball or, or adjust, you know, so truly accurate passes. He graded eight out of 35, which is a really good mark. Also his, his inaccurate passes that, you know, were, were still catchable, whereas receivers basically had to make a play to save him. He was eight out of 35 in that as well, which lower is better in that category. And only 12, and he ranks 12th in uncatchable, you know, passes versus like a Josh Allen's, you know, 35 out of 35. So there's a lot of good things I think, you know, to like about him. Um, He did struggle in the intermediate game. So when he was in the short, you know, to zero to nine yard, you know, underneath stuff, he was, he was good. He was above the NFL average. In fact, Um, in both of those ranges, he was plus 2.1% and plus 5.8%. But then when he went to work in that 10 to 19 yard range, and this is where I think a guy like DeAndre Hopkins can really help him right now, he's going to have to throw outside the hashes, which we can talk about, you know, in a minute, because Hopkins is probably going to be lining up outside a lot. He, he'll see a little bit of slot, but the 10 to 19 yard range, you know, Matt, he dropped down to 6.7%, um, you know, versus the NFL average. And then he was a little bit below on 20 plus yard throws, um, you know, but that's, that starts to get into a small sample size. So in that short to intermediate or underneath game, you know, he was really good intermediate. He struggled, um, you know, as far as, you know, the way he played, um, he threw to his first read only 61% of the time, you know, and I think this is speaking to Cliff Kingsbury's offense. If people are listening to anything, you know, about Kingsbury's offense, I think this is by design. The NFL average throws to the first read on 68% of plays. Murray was at 61%. That's, I'd have to go back and look. I think that's that's probably the lowest in the NFL for throwing to your first read. Throws to the next read 10% of the time. The NFL average is 13%. So what does that mean if you're not throwing to the first if you're throwing to the first read and the next read less than the NFL averages you're throwing to your third and fourth more or running the NFL a lot average yeah. yeah well 
Yeah, or running or taking off. Yes. And so his scramble drill, um, you know, he was 7% versus 5%. Check downs, 3% versus 5%. So that's where the scramble come, you know, the the taking off and running comes in. He doesn't really check it down to the running back. He'll, he will take off at that point. Um, now, 19% of his passes were considered scheme. So that's like tunnel screens, bubbles, all that kind of stuff. You know, a lot of the staples that Kingsbury – you know, it's not just those things. He, he creates a lot of different types of looks, you know, for Murray. So I think that speaks to the diversity, right, of the offense and what you see with a Cliff, you know, Kingsbury offense. And that, again, ties back, you know, to DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, so it's interesting. So we, you know, where we differ tends to be yards per attempt. You have him at, what, 7.45? or 7. I have him at 7 and a quarter. 7 and a quarter, and I have him at 6.98. So, yeah. you know, that, and that's a difference of about 300 yards because we're very similar in attempts and completions, you know, in terms of that all. So what you're seeing there is just, you know, just to highlight the differences of where we are in that regard. You know, looking at the receivers, I mean, again, I think Larry Fitzgerald has enough left to be a, a complimentary target in this offense. Certainly Christian Kirk is, I think, pretty much what people – seem to draft Sterling Sh- Sterling Shepard to be. Um, I just, I'm sorry, I just don't understand Sterling Shepard, but, and I keep harping on that throughout this series, but um, Christian Kirk to me is... What, what does Sterling Shepard do to you, man? He disappointed me. I think that's what it is. I don't know. I don't know. He was, I liked him at OU, but I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you. I just, I think it's the, it's not him. I think it's all the fantasy analysts who just like ride his jock. I don't know what the deal is, but, but but Kirk is, you know, Kirk's a, a steady receiver. He can play two different positions. I think he'll be the second leading target getter in this offense with Fitzgerald, not too far behind. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, he's going to be the leading target getter. The, the question for me is, you know, how many targets do you really give him? And, and for me, I've kind of said, you know, if you have, I have been 145 targets, but that's the lowest he's had in six years. You know, if you count what he's done with the Texans. And so he's been a virtual target hog with Deshaun um, Watson. He's the type of guy that basically it doesn't matter who's covering him. He's going to mug that guy or do something kind of tricky and do a really good job of being able to make the contested play. Will Kyler Murray target, you know, Deshaun Hopkins tight, DeAndre Hopkins tight in those situations the way Deshaun Watson did? The answer, I think, is yes, but not to the extent that they did in Houston because, A, there's weapons that are a little bit sturdier, healthier, and consistent. Um, the design of the offense being spread out a little bit more, I think, is part of it as well. Um, and so as a result of that, I and, you know, as a result of that, and what you said, he threw less to his first read. Now that might be because his first read didn't come open as often as it needed to be. <laughs> exactly. And so now Hopkins might be that guy, but it still begs the question, is he going to trust Hopkins enough, have that chemistry with him enough to make those throws in this type of COVID environment? I don't know, but I'm, I'm using it as my crutch argument to say, I have Andre Hopkins at 145 targets for 96 receptions for 10, 1,098 yards and 11.4 yards per catch and six touchdowns. Certainly, you know, low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two numbers, but not top five receiver numbers that, you know, as talented as Hopkins is. You look at, you know, 
a guy like Christian Kirk, I have him at 113 targets, 71 catches, 752 yards for 10.6 yards per catch and five touchdowns. I also have him running the ball about 10 to 12 times um, for about 108 yards. Um, and that's kind of significant for a receiver. And then old man Fitzgerald, not 94 targets, 65 catches, 710 yards for 10.9 per catch um, for five touchdowns. Um, you could probably flip-flop those numbers and probably say, make a better argument that Christian Kirk would have a higher yards per catch average. But then I see Fitzgerald in the middle of the field getting you know some deeper targets as a result of some mismatches. So that's what I have for the main three receivers. And then there's the interesting question of, can Andy Isabella break out? Can Hakeem Butler do anything? You know, is Kashawn Johnson still in the mix here? And I think the answer is it's going to come down to two out of those three receivers. I'm hoping for Hakeem Butler. Haven't really heard much about him other than Cliff Kingsbury said that he's been working hard and that they're optimistic about, you know, his ability to continue to grow and they like his talent. That's about all I've seen and I haven't checked this week to see what the training camp reports have said about Butler beyond that. Um, so right now, what I see, you know, what I have is it's split down the middle between Butler and Isabella. 36 targets for Butler, 35 for Isabella, 17 catches for Butler, 18 for Isabella, 280 yards for Butler at 16 yards per catch. Um, Isabella at 285 at 15.8 per catch. Butler at three touchdowns. Isabella at two touchdowns. It could be easily that one of those guys gets all of that and winds up with all 71 targets. It could also be an even split if both those guys either play well or both are half-assed at what they're doing and still not getting any better. Um, you, you know, And then there's Keyshawn Johnson, who might just bogart both of those guys and just take all their targets, and one of those dudes is cut, most likely Butler, if it's not, you know, because Isabella at least showed a little something last year. Though I would say it was minimal, I was you know running a streak route down the field. I would say that's fine. Hakeem Butler could have done that too. Um, so it's you know that depth chart is the the interesting wild card because if Butler shows up and you see the types of talent he has, he would be really a devastating fourth weapon for them in ten personnel, and they might have an excuse to use it a little bit more. But as it stands right now, you know we're you know, you're probably going to see a rotation with their fourth wide receiver. At least that's my thought, Dwayne. What are yours? Yeah, I think I, I'm pretty similar. I think you're going to see a rotation of those um, guys. I think your primary folks that'll be on the field, you know, pretty much for, for the, for most of the plays will be Hopkins, Kirk, and, you know, Fitzgerald, you know, unless they go to 12, then it'll be Hopkins and Kirk. Um, but in 10, I, I agree. I think you're, they're probably waiting to see who can step up and, you know, really earn it, or they'll just continue to split it across all three guys with Isabella, Keyshawn Johnson, and Hakeem Butler. I'm with you, man. I'm holding out hope for Hakeem Butler. Um, I kind of wonder, you know, if, if this does end up being Fitzgerald's last year, is next year Butler's opportunity? Because, you know, you talked about, you know, in the RSP last year, you know, what he could do as a big slot option, you know, that he wasn't limited to that, but, how that could be an opportunity, you know, for him to really, you know, shine. And so you almost wonder, you know, it's one of those deals where is it really that Hakeem Butler is really now he got hurt last year. Right. So you got to give right. him a little bit, you know, of a pass there. Um, you know, 
and I've talked about this with the running backs, even on Twitter some, it's a lot harder than people think to supplant these veterans that were some of the very best in the game ever. See Frank Gore, right, at running back. People have always just thought, oh, doesn't matter. Frank Gore's old. The next guy's going to replace him. And Larry Fitzgerald's the equivalent of that at receiver. He's a, you know, is he who he used to be? No, but he never, his game was never really built on blazing speed. It was never really built on a lot of the things that, you know, other receivers have deteriorate on them. And then, you know, they can't, you know, overcome it. So for me, Butler, I'm still holding out hope because, you know, he's stuck behind the guy that also is one of the best slot receivers in like the last 10 years. Right. Um, and Fitzgerald, but I've got Hopkins leading the team. You know, he's the number one target. I've got him at 25%. So I don't have him at, to your point, the 30%, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, that we've seen from him, you know, even over 30% with Deshaun Watson. Um, I've got him at 149 targets. So only four more than you, Matt, I've got him actually with less receptions. Um, because working outside, you know, Murray struggled a little bit. Now, some of that could be, you know, the receivers he was throwing to outside as well. But I've got him at a 62.5% catch rate versus you got Kirk and Fitzgerald working inside. I've got them at 65% and 66.5% catch rate. So 93 reception, though, still for Hopkins, 1,161 yards, and I've got him at 8.8 touchdowns, so call it nine. And And while that's not you know, a top, you know, three receiver year, here's what I'll say. I have, I have the Cardinals at 1,025 plays. If they were to get to 50% and some of the things I talked about earlier, they could easily lead the league in plays. They could run 1,100. Well, there's another full game, right, of, of attempts. And so I think there's some upside in Hopkins that people are forgetting about. And the other reason I still like Hopkins, and, I, and if you're a fantasy player, I still take him – when he slides to me at the end of round two. And the reason why is I still feel like I can depend on him. He's a really, really good player. Has he lost a little bit of his upside if he doesn't get a, a couple of breaks? Yeah, yeah. But if I got to start comparing him to some of the other receivers that are going to start going in that range, you know, I think Hopkins is still very viable. So I think, you know, the market has, you know, kind of priced in, you know, uh, the expectation that Hopkins is going to just fall. And I still think there's a path that, you know, he could, he, I still think he has upside to be in the top three. It's not like what it used to be, but a lot of things can happen when you get good, when you get a good player like this, Kingsbury could funnel more of the offense to him. He could do something we've never seen. You know, I mean, this is a really good receiver. This isn't like they just, you know, they just got, you know, a, a good receiver, or a middle tier type guy um, that, that now they're, you know, saying, Hey, we're going to, you know, this is our answer. I mean, this is a true, elite receiver you know one of the better receivers we've seen in the last six seven years so I, I i've got him similar to you but i think there's a little more upside i'm not as pessimistic about his downside i think he's still a safe bet for where you can get him in fantasy drafts i'm like you i wouldn't be drafting him in the first round of fantasy drafts those days you know there's no reason to right um but if you if he slides to you in the end of the second you know i'm i'm still all game for deandre hopkins so i've got kirk just like you second and we're really close actually on him and Fitzgerald I've, I've got Kirk at 113 targets 73 receptions 918 yards and 5.1 touchdowns I've got Larry Fitzgerald at 95 targets 63 receptions 696 yards and 3.8 touchdowns I'm just like you would it surprise me if he caught the five touchdowns and Kirk caught four and Kirk added 50 more yards receiving now none of that you know would would surprise me um, and then I've got Kenyon Drake um, as the next guy in the pecking order right now. I've got him sitting 
um, right now at 11%, you know, of the targets. And then I've got the other receivers you talked about. I've got it spread out across them. I've got Isabella, I've got Keyshawn Johnson and Akeem Butler all at, you know, 6% or under, you know, so it's just kind of spreading around whoever that fourth receiver, you know, is going to be. Yeah. And I think that fourth receiver, just given a little bit of a cruise on Twitter and looking up Akeem Butler and seeing any type of beat writers or training camp reports that I could look for on the internet. I mean, it looks like that he just hasn't impressed. He hasn't really stood out in any way in camp. And there's even talk that he might get cut. So, I mean, mm. you know, now I don't know if that's, and it's just talk, but because it's, he's been so quiet, you know, there's, there's really not, there's, more fuel to the fire that he could be cut in that regard. So it's an interesting thing. I mean, you look at players and and you see someone who's, you know, we saw it with Dante Pettis, and we'll be talking about him in a in a probably next week or later on in the week because he's a guy now that's impressing in camp and he's returning to form. And he, I thought he was the most talented receiver in the twenty seventeen draft class, and he looked like it until he showed up overweight and out of shape and got in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse and never got out of it. And then he took accountability and did what he needed to do. Well, Akeem Butler, when you watch the talent, it's there um, on the field in, in terms of what he did at Iowa State. Sometimes there might be a little bit more to the story. It'll be interesting to find out in a couple of years possibly what that is. Um, but with Kenyon Drake, yeah, I mean, I have him at 70 targets, 56 catches, 364 yards receiving, two touchdowns. So, yeah, I have him really behind you know the the top three but he's the third you know he's he's the fourth leading target getter and when you talk about that run game you know drake really put on a show towards the end of the season when he got traded and this is a guy that you know i remember i remember this was the year where we had the um oh laramie tunsil gas mask incident with the draft and I was already kind of goofing off on our Audible show, um, like I often do, you know. And 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 when Kenyon Drake got um, picked by the Dolphins, I really didn't like the pick. I thought it was way too early. I thought he was a developmental player who needed at least a couple of years to develop and learn blocking schemes. And you saw it. You saw it for the first couple of years. I mean, I don't know if I've seen a, a running back run into the the run into the backside of his teammate as many times as he did getting tackled, you know, then he'd make some spectacular plays. Um, but he's really developed as a player. Like last two, really two years ago, I really liked what I saw out of him. He started to see more patience. He worked with Frank Gore a lot. Um, that was something they talked a lot about with him. And he developed. I thought he was a, if you put him in the Indianapolis Colts offense, I thought you could compare him to Marlon Mack and say he was a better student than even Marlon Mack was. And Mack's a competent back. So now he ends up in, um, you know, in Arizona, and he looked fantastic. You know, he really made some nice plays. He was efficient as a runner. You see the power. You see the speed. You see the receiving skill. I have him right now as the lead back, obviously, even though the Cardinals talk a lot about Chase Edmonds. And, they, and Cliff Kingsbury made it quite plain this week, you know. If Edmonds didn't get hurt, we might not have had to trade for another back. We would have used him as our starter last year. We think he's a starting back in the NFL. Drake signed a one-year deal this year to play out his string with um, Arizona. Edmonds is still on his rookie deal. Um, so 
It'll be interesting to see whether they go roll with Edmonds. And then you have a guy like Eno Benjamin, who I thought, you know, really, uh, I've my, my nickname for him has been 98-proof LaShawn McCoy because he's like pretty darn close to what LaShawn McCoy offers in style. He's very elusive, great feet, very good receiver out of the backfield, good contact balance. You know, he has some... He takes some chances as a runner that McCoy would early in his career or Jamal Charles did early in his career. Normally we'll see that with young backs who have his kind of um, agility. So I get that. But I think he, and I guess he, he I'm going to say that he probably dropped in the draft due to one of two reasons. The, the, the narrative is that he's a free spirit. He's a free spirit and, and free thinker. And that's the way Cliff Kingsbury described him. Well, that... Arian Foster was described that way too. Um, and teams basically let him go undrafted because the University of Tennessee basically floated the idea that he didn't care about football because he was a philosophy major and that he was too smart to be a football player or that he was too soft to be a football player because he studied philosophy. There were other... Um, there were other rumors about him that I won't even get into because it really doesn't matter one way or the other. I, um, I just want to wish him happy birthday. He's 34 today, man. Arian Foster. Look at that. Good. And Freno <laughs> follows me anyway. I love I love Arian Foster. Nam- namaste, That's what I'm man. getting namaste. at. Yeah, exactly. See? Very good. Very cool. But yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, there were lots of things about him that were just stupid as all get out because sometimes... You know these scouts or these scouts or the general managers in these leagues can be really insulated from the rest of the world. Um, you know, and and I think as a result of that, they may not be able to see things clearly. They think that you know football players have to be built a certain way, and they don't always look at the outliers in a positive way. And I think either you know Benjamin is that way, or you know Benjamin is the way that um, or you know, Benjamin, kind of like Darius Geis, we didn't know exactly what was going on with Geis, but he dropped further than you would have expected to his ability, and maybe there were some some issues off the field. I'm going to presume it's more on the um, it's more on the NFL evaluators than it is on the player because I think that's that's just a a safer way to look at it and probably a more accurate way to look at it most of the time. Um, but Benjamin's an interesting player. They said they think as long as he plays well on special teams, he'll be the third back, um, and he probably has a good role. So looking at Kenyon Drake, look, I have him at 200 attempts, 1,040 yards, seven touchdowns at 5.2 yards per tote. Um, 3.5% of his attempts will be touchdowns, and I have him just, you know, top 10, top 15 kind of back. I mean, very possible. Now, Chase Edmonds, if... He's good enough, like they said, but I think they'll roll with Drake for as long as they can use him, and they'll put Edmonds in there. But I have Edmonds basically getting, um, you know, one-third of the carries, Drake getting two-thirds of the carries for the running backs at least. So I have I have Chase Edmonds at 96 attempts, 445 yards, 4.6 yards per attempt, six touchdowns. He's a pretty darn good red zone player, actually. Um, and I have him at 24 targets, 14 catches, 110 yards and two touchdowns. I haven't been more efficient in the red zone than Kenyon Drake. And then, um, Eno, 
Eight attempts, 28 yards, just for those of you who are curious. Four targets, two um, receptions, 17 yards. Not being a huge factor, unless, of course, one of these guys gets hurt. And I'll just say this because I haven't heard anything about him, but keep an eye on Jonathan Ward, who's a back out of Central Michigan. Um, I thought he was the best pass-catching back in this draft class. Um, he I also he ran a 4 4 eight, 40, um, and based on the film... Watching him um, beat a safety who ran in the four fours down the field, I thought he was pretty darn good. He's a very um, straight. He's a very um, determined back in terms of his running ability. He's not a big guy, but he plays. He plays a little bigger than his size, and he's versatile. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a chance elsewhere if he doesn't make the cut here um, with the Arizona Cardinals. So that's my thoughts on the running backs when we just completely ignored the tight ends in this offense um which might just be by design um but i guess we should get to them too so Dwayne, once you get to the running backs let's let's <laughs> let's go back and like give them the uh give them the napkin they asked for and you know in the tight ends here yeah i mean and to be fair if a guy that is creating you know some buzz is dan arnold yes you know out of camp who was formerly with the saints um, you know, so I've got him, I'll, I'll hit the tight end real quick and then jump to the running backs. I I've got Arnold, um, at 7%, you know, of the targets I've got him at 25 receptions. I've got him at 225 yards and I've got him at two touchdowns. Sweet. So, but, but, but I think he's the kind of guy that if you're in a super deep draft, um, and you're just looking to throw a super late dart, when I say deep, I'm talking like you're in a 20 round fantasy draft kind of thing. Um, you know, and, or you're in a super deep, you know, dynasty league, you know, he's probably owned in a, in a lot of those already just based on the buzz this off season, but he's the kind of guy you can just throw a dart at, you know, in your last round, see if they're using him early on or not, or if they're rotating him and Max Williams, how that looks. And then, you know, you can just, you can, you know, adapt, you know, based on what you're seeing. Um, but, but to Matt's point, you know, there is, there are, there's a lot of 12 personnel, there's a lot, you know, there's still enough 11. That's about seven, 60 to 70%, you know, of their snaps between those two. And then you've got 10 personnel. So um, that's the only buzzkill, right, on the tight end, on the uh, Cardinals tight ends is they will rotate them a lot. And then there's only 70% of the plays basically where there is a tight end on the field. So then all of a sudden you're, you're cutting a guy down to like 50%, you know, uh, being on the field for 50% of Kyler Murray's dropbacks essentially. Um, so you're, you're going to need some volume from their offense to help offset some of that. But, but, um, that's the guy I would watch as far as the running backs go. Um, we're pretty close. I've got Kenyon Drake at 226 attempts. So, you know, about 20 more than you, um, I've got him at 1,017 yards. So a little bit, you know, less from a yards per carry standpoint, standpoint, you know, the interesting thing about the Cardinals, you know, Matt using all these different formations and spreading the field. Um, the way that you know Cliff Kingsbury does, and it's not just the personnel groupings; it's the way that he spreads the field out, right? And the splits he uses with his offensive line. There's all sorts of things going on. But if you look at the yards before contact um, last year by this line, which I mean, can you name anybody on this line? Like, if I just asked you off the top of your head, you might not be able to. It's not. <laughs> it's not I could, really. I could recognize the names, but honestly, no, I can't. Name yeah, anybody. it's no. tough. Um, but they averaged, and I think this is a big hat tip, you know, to the scheme, you know, of Kingsbury, um, 2.7 yards before contact. Wow. That was second in the NFL to the Ravens. Wow. So we'll need to see it again. 
but that's that's definitely an encouraging thing because then if 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 you're you know running back and let's say you're only a two two and a half yards after contact guy if that line holds around two two and a half i like what you did with the yards per carry this is one of the teams where i thought if i were to kind of get like spicy because normally you know i keep things pretty close to the averages on running on yards per carry but if there was a team where i was gonna do it and just say you know i'm gonna give these guys you know four and three quarters or i'm gonna give them five yards per carry i think this is a team where you could do it because of, of the way the offense sets them up you know and that to be successful so i've got him at 1017 yards um and then i've got him at nine and a half rushing touchdowns um they used drake last year um i want i have to go back and look but i want to say like 80 percent of the carries inside the five um even when david johnson or chase edmonds was playing down the stretch they really liked him inside the five they they utilized him very heavily um to your point you know chase uh, edmonds didn't have as many chances he did well with what he had um, I've got him at 20%, you know, of the team's rushing attempts. That's 86 carries. I also have him, him at four and a half yards per carry. That's 387 yards rushing. And I've got him at three rushing touchdowns. So not quite as many rushing touchdowns as you do, but we're really close on our carries and um, yardage. I think you're a little higher than me on, on all of them, but not by much. Um, and, and it's kind of hard to get too crazy because, you know, the caveat you put at the, at the end, hey, this will be two-thirds and one-third. And then you said, well, at least for the running backs because Kyler Murray, you know, is going to get – I leave, I do it by the team. So that's why you only hear me giving away 72%, you know, of the rushing attempts because I got to leave all the rest for Kyler Murray and whatever little bit, you know, Benjamin may get. Um, with, with Benjamin, I didn't even give him anything, but he's definitely a guy in a deep draft. You know, I've got him on my board here. Um, you know, he could he could find himself working in here or there. Um, the way I look at him is if, all, if he makes the team, if all of a sudden Drake goes down and Edmonds is up, you're going to want to own Eno, Eno Benjamin. <laughs> You're going to want to own that that piece of the backfield. So, um, yeah, I, I like it. And I've got him at, I've got Chase Edmonds at 5% of the targets, Matt. So that's 30 targets with 22 receptions, 178 yards. And going backward to Kenyon Drake, who I had already said was, you know, my, my fifth target, just to repeat it, 12% of the targets, that's 71, with 54 receptions, 428 yards, and two-and-a-half touchdowns. So, I mean, I've got Kenyon Drake sitting right around 1,500 total yards. And I've got him sitting in right in that 12 touchdown range. Um, and that's with me being a little bit reserved on his yards per carry, I think, you know, based on what the offense could do. I think there's upside, you know, for a little bit more. Um, I don't disagree with where you have him on attempts. I could see him easily being around 200 instead of 225. Um, you know, I've seen some folks that have had him projected up at 250, 260, 270. And it could happen. I just think you're starting to push it a little bit, you know, when you get into that range, knowing that they want to get Evans involved some and Murray's going to run a lot too. Yeah. And so listen, I mean, this was a fun show because the Cardinals are an upside team and obviously Dwayne McFarland is all upside. You can find him at Dwayne McFarland on Twitter and you can find me at Matt Waldman on Twitter. You can find him also at pro football focus me at Matt Waldman, RSP.com. The pre-draft post-draft RSP is available. You can download that. There's a recent update in August when people buy every 24 to 48 hours. I send them the send them the newsletter from August so that they get the updated three-year rankings. Um, and it'll, that's the second rankings that I've put up for the rookies from that year. So um, stay tuned, folks. We're going to do also the Seattle episode coming up. So you're going to want to check that one out. That's going to be awesome. Thanks again, and you guys have a good evening. <laughs>